I'm Lauren Dimmitt Waters. I'm a New York City-based blogger and influencer who has been covering beauty, fashion, and lifestyle for what seems like forever. But now I'm a woman in midlife who wants to discover all the secrets to growing younger. I'm ready to explore topics that deal with health and anti-aging, especially when it comes to beauty, fashion, wellness, and longevity. I'll unearth what works and what you shouldn't waste your money on. Even if it's crazy, I'll hunt down the latest and greatest to help us all get through this journey called life with a little humor and a lot of attitude. I want to keep fighting the fight so we can all grow old ungracefully. So welcome to Beauty is a Bitch. Hey, everybody. Welcome to a new episode of Beauty is a Bitch. Today, my guest is Joyce Martyr. She is a licensed psychotherapist for over 20 years and an expert in mental health, mindfulness, emotional intelligence, and the psychology of money. Martyr is the founder of Urban Balance, a counseling practice that currently has over 175 therapists working from nearly 20 locations in six states. Martyr is adjunct faculty at the Family Institute at Northwestern University, a member of the National Speakers Association, and is a national keynote speaker. She is routinely consulted as a counseling expert in the media, featured in such outlets as the Wall Street Journal, CNN, and MTV. Her book, The Financial Mindset Fix, a mental fitness program for an abundant life, will be, well, it's already been published. It was published in July. Welcome. How are you? Thank you so much for having me, Lauren. I'm great. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for joining us. And we're not going to talk about financial health today. We are going to talk about mind health and midlife. Um, which thank you for agreeing to do this because um, I find that so many of us in midlife are dealing with a lot, you know, just, being in, just the experience of being in midlife. So can I ask in your practice, what do you find are some of the kind, common challenges that women are experiencing in midlife? Well, it's really common for people to come to therapy when they're in a life transition. And during midlife, women are experiencing a lot of losses. So it might be loss of their children moving on and growing up an empty nest or losses of their parents as their parents age or dealing with the stressors of being in that sandwich generation or loss of the attention that they may have received for their beauty and sexuality as we age. And so it's really common to have women come in dealing with depression, anxiety, and identity issues and relationship issues, looking at their partnerships and, and reevaluating their marriages and reevaluating their careers. So it's a time of great transition and change and also uncertainty. So I think it's a real opportunity for women to get support so that they can move forward in a positive direction. Wow, that's a lot. <laughs> and it's funny because a lot of what you just said, I'm like, check, check, check. It's a lot. It really is. It is and I know I've started to see somebody, um, you know, about grief. I, as I mentioned I, to you before we started that I lost both of my parents, which is something that like, you know, is going to happen because it's just a part of, you know, life. Um, but it doesn't make it easier knowing. And, you know, and yes, it happens to all of us at some point, you know, in your forties and fifties, if you're lucky or sixties. Um, but as much as you try to prepare for it, it just, it, it's tough stuff. It's really tough. 
it's enormously painful, difficult stuff. And I'm so sorry for your losses and so happy that also that you made the decision to get support for yourself, because I think we all can benefit from therapy or counseling at different points in our lives. And I have also lost my parents and you're exactly right that we can't possibly understand how painful and difficult and disorienting that is and scary sometimes. And, and it, it does cause us to reevaluate our lives and think about our own mortality and our own future. And it's big, big stuff. So I think you're a wonderful example of getting support because we, we all need that. Thank you. But, and I, I am so sorry for your losses as well. It's just, you know, but it's, there's, it happens to all of us. So, you know, you, you almost feel, at least in my case, I felt like I shouldn't really talk about it because, you know, I don't want others to feel bad or be scared or, you know, but also, I also think that there's an opportunity here. You're remiss if you kind of don't talk about it. It's hard. Oh, absolutely. I I think that you know, as a therapist, I think it's so important for each of us to really honor our emotions. And when we share with others authentically and vulnerably about what we're experiencing, it's really normalizing for others. And I lost my dad in my 20s and my mother in my late 30s. And now I seem to be the friend that many of my friends are turning to because they know that I understand as right. they're dealing with aging parents or the losses of their parents. And so the more we have honest conversations, the more normalizing and validating it is, and the more we can support one another in moving through that grief rather than suffering in our own silos. Exactly. That's really, you're right. It's time. I, I feel that way about normalizing a lot that we're dealing with in midlife. But Absolutely. let me my next question. So why is it important for us to have honest conversations about these losses and hardships and adopt a growth mindset during midlife? Well, if we don't honor our own feelings and we don't get support around that, we're going to have denial. We're not going to process these feelings in healthy ways. And and we might end up dealing with depression, anxiety. We might self-medicate with substances. It's not as healthy as, you know, cathartically releasing that and then getting the support that we need and deserve. And I think midlife, I love supporting women during this time because it is so normal that we experience these losses, but it's a wonderful opportunity for metamorphosis and rebirth. It's like a phoenix rising from the ashes. You want to grieve the old, release the old, let it go, honor it, but then tap into your deepest, highest self and realign your life with your purpose. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, as far as identity in our culture, we kind of have three archetypes that we identify with as women generally, which is maiden, mother, and crone. And for many of us who are mothers now in our 40s or 50s or 60s, we don't, we maybe aren't in that role of everyday mothering like we were in our thirties, but we are not old. We are not crones. And so we need to embrace that there's another archetype in there and that's queen. The queen is is empowered, a wise woman, a strong woman, a brave woman, an authentic woman who has a voice and 
So the more that we can celebrate that, the more that we're setting, I, I hope to have a cultural shift where we can show that women in their 40s and 50s and 60s were in our prime. We've learned so much and we can teach others and be a shining example. Oh my gosh, I love that. I love that so much. Because you know, it's interesting. I find now that I'm in midlife, I'm so much more into supporting other women. It's sort of like my mission. And I, you know, I didn't feel that, I hate to say I didn't feel that way before, but I was, you know, more into like my career and my, you know, my own path. Uh, and now I find like, I really feel that my purpose is to help other women. Um, that's beautiful. And that's yeah, a shift. It's been a total shift, you know, and, and a lot of ways. And I love it. I love it. Well, clearly. And, and in doing that, you are supporting and helping so many other people. And I'm sure that helps you too. It makes you feel supported and connected and gives you purpose and enjoyment and meaning. And so that's fantastic that you've, you've made that shift. And it sounds like altruism really helps you feel positively. It does. It does. It does. I just, you know, to me, it's, I, I don't like to see people suffer needlessly. And I don't mean needlessly. Some things we have to go through. I mean, obviously like the loss of your parents and whatnot. I mean, I can't, help anybody avoid that. Unfortunately, if I could, I would, but, um, you know, I just want, I just want women to f- know that they're not alone and that everything that they're feeling and thinking is something that many of us are feeling, thinking, and, you know, we're all, we sort of feel like we're all in this together, you know, so might as well help Wonderful. each other. Um, Absolutely. okay. So, my reality as well. Yes. Yes. And let, let me, this I want to ask my next question because this is a really big part of middle age. And that is how can women hang on to their self-esteem and embrace their worth when there are so many devaluing messages in our youth culture today? Absolutely. It is such an important question. And it's a challenge to hang on to our self-esteem and our worth. And so we need to practice self-compassion. So rather than being our inner critic or our inner saboteur, I need to girl, inner mean girl. <laughs> yes, I, I've named mine Zelda. She's a total pain in the ass. Oh, you have the name. I didn't think of that. going to do it's that. It's a mindfulness practice. You should name yours because then you Ooh. can notice when she's creeping up and she'll tell me that, you know, my, I'm gaining weight. I don't look right. My wrinkles are popping up. You know, my hair oh. is thinning or whatever it is. You know, I'm going to put thought into this. It's going to be a good name. It's going to be a good <laughs> Okay, good. Yeah. So we, instead we want to have self-compassion and relate to ourselves as we would our best friend. We would never say that to our best friend. We would say, you're beautiful. You look amazing. And, and so changing that script, because in therapy, cognitive behavioral therapy says our thoughts precede our emotions and behaviors. So if our self-talk is negative, we're going to feel depressed and anxious and poorly about ourselves. And I also really believe in mindfulness practices like meditation and yoga, connecting with nature, because we want to separate from ego in our identification with our beauty and our externals are aspects of ego and our worth is internal. It's on a soul level. And so if we have psycho-spiritual practices where we're connecting with our highest and deepest self, we'll know we're always worthy no matter what we look like or what age we're like. And we'll be able to detach from the harmful messages in our youth culture, in the media, social media, 
and things like that. And I believe in having beauty heroes or aging heroes. My own therapist actually is a woman in her 70s and she's beautiful and she's wise and vibrant. And so I think I want to be like Arlene. And that makes me feel less afraid and it gives me a a role model of how to be strong and, and amazing in older age. I agree. I think it's really important to find a few women like that, whether you see them on Instagram or just in, like, I look at like Iris Apfel. I find her like, I'm just like, I want to be like her. Yeah. I, I want like, I, she commands attention, you know, and I, you know, but in a good way, I mean, and not, it's, it's amazing. Like she, and I don't necessarily want to like command attention, but I definitely want to like, when I walk into a room, I just want to feel seen. I don't need to be, the, yeah. I never wanted to be the center of it. I'm not a center of attention kind of person. I'm happy being on the outskirts, but I don't like to be ignored. And I think that that's something that has been very hard to deal with. Like, okay, for instance, this is funny. I got cat called. Like, Ooh. okay, right. And like, I'm supposed to be like, oh, the, you know, the movement and the, you know, me too. Right. And I get that. And I'm, I'm all for that and everything, but I'm also like realistic. It, it feels good once I'm, but it was funny because the person was very, this man was far away. <laughs> and I'm like, oh honey, if you got closer. <laughs> but, that's, but that's your Zelda. Saying no, that- no, I was laughing. Like I wasn't being, it wasn't, I really wasn't mean girling. I actually found it very funny. Like I was, I wasn't trying to be a mean girl, but I was like, oh honey, uh-uh. <laughs> you know, I've got sunglasses. Believe me, if I lift up, you're just, yeah. I'm, I'm, I knew if he was closer that what A wouldn't have happened or if he got closer, it would have been like, oh, uh, uh, you know, it was, it was kind of funny. And I'm not saying it like in a mean girl way. And yes, I do understand the mean girl conversations that we have in our head. And I'm a huge proponent of trying to, you know, change the subject in your mind when she starts popping up, you know, and telling her to go away. But whose name remains to be seen. I have to work on the name for my mean girl. But um, it, no, I, you know, but it's, it's, it's definitely feeling like, you're not noticed. Yes. If there's, you just kind of disappear. You just yes, that invisible feeling. Yeah. And yes, yeah. of course, the cat calling is objectification of women. Of course, it's not great. Of course but, not. But it's not great. But on the other hand, when when you're dealing with feeling not as awesome as you're as you're aging, it feels it feels yeah. complimentary in some ways too. Maybe I'm not supposed to admit that, but let's let's be honest here. I'm sure most women would be like, oh, you know. It was, it was, it was kind of fun. I thought it was funny. I, th- I just laughed. I actually laughed. I thought it was hysterical. Um, so how do you help women metamorphosize into their greatest selves during this time of transition and transformation? Like, do you have a short case of example of a client you've helped? So my favorite thing as a therapist is to mirror back to my clients, all that is amazing and unique and beautiful and awesome about them and then empowering them to align those gifts with a need in the world. And a case example that I think is pretty powerful, I had a client come to me because she'd been working with another therapist for over a year dealing with some chronic depression and she wasn't making progress. So she came for a consultation. And I write about this in my book that after doing a quick assessment I felt that there were some aspects of her marriage that she was in denial about. Specifically, she had mentioned her husband had an emotional affair. And I confronted her and challenged her as to why she believed it was emotional and not sexual. 
and chipped through some of the denial, which was uncomfortable. And I was not sure actually if she was going to come back, but she confronted him and it turned out he was in a seven year romantic sexual relationship with this woman and he wanted to leave her. And her whole world came crashing down in her late forties with teenage kids. And she did some deep work in therapy that a lot of her life, she'd been the good girl. She'd done what she was supposed to do, but she was not tending to her own needs, her own feelings, her own opinions. So in therapy, I helped her rediscover who she is and change her life. I mean, even little things like her getting her first car on her own post-divorce and her first condo and decorating it and traveling and making new friends and making a career change. And she blossomed into a much more vibrant version of herself, even though her old life, you know, crumbled in many ways. So it really was that Phoenix rising from the ashes and a whole rebirth. Oh my gosh. I'm like, my heart's racing hearing that. I can't imagine. I can't. So what you're saying is she was, and some of us do this too. We're just, we don't want to deal with it. So we, you know, just stick it in a back closet and don't really focus on it because we just don't want to deal with the reality or we're in denial or we just have learned. I think as part of the human condition, I mean, we're all works in progress and we're all doing the best that we can. And so I think, you know, sometimes it, it, I always say getting in therapy is like cleaning out a messy closet. We all have things that we've stuffed away. And if you take the time and you have the courage to pull it out, when you clean out a closet, if you're anything like me, I get overwhelmed. Like, oh my gosh, I should have left things in there. Things. That's what therapy is like. But then you have the opportunity to let go of some things and rework some things so that you're feeling better and functioning better. And so, yeah, I think it's sometimes we we're just busy. We're overwhelmed. We're scared. You know, what does that mean if we were, we take a deeper look at things? Um, so denial and defense mechanisms are there to protect us. But the word that pops out to me is scary. Like that must be so scary. I can't even imagine yeah. having your world crumble like that. You Horrible. Know? Horrible. That's like the but, worst betrayal too, you know? Horrible betrayal. And, and sadly, I, I do see that as a therapist, but part of the reason that I love my work is that I see the amazing resilience of the human spirit. And sometimes our challenges carve deep wisdom into our being, and there are huge blessings that come with that suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, that is part of, of the human experience and no shame, no stigma. Like we all have our stuff and help is available and effective. Absolutely. A hundred percent with that. So let me ask you, what role does fear or courage play during this time of life? Like, have you seen that impact the outcome of women's health? And I'm talking like emotionally, rat relationship wise, financially, spiritually, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Operating from fear is never a good mode of operation. And Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, who is the psychologist who came up with the stages of grief, said really all emotions can be categorized in two categories, love or fear. So when we operate from fear, we are not in a state of love or grace. And so having the courage to shift from fear, I talk in my book about 
how to practice healthy detachment. Like it's normal to be afraid of the future or aging or mortality or uncertainty. So to honor those feelings, but you can choose to surf them rather than becoming engulfed by them. You can notice them, but still tap into your bravery and your courage to put yourself out in the world and, and find your voice and use your voice and be heard and seen. Like you're saying, you know, you, you want to do and are doing. And sometimes we have to move. We have to have the courage to let go. We have to have the courage to forgive. And we need to embrace our power, which can be scary, but it, it is also liberating and emancipating and freeing. So um, I love supporting women in doing that. So it sounds to me you're saying if you trust yourself and you trust in yourself, like maybe move towards that darkness, you know, like that, that scary unknown that you might think is scary, but don't, you know, but if you trust in yourself enough. Yes. You, you yes. And probably yes. prefer for it. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm a person who went through divorce in my forties and asking for that divorce was like jumping off a cliff. It was the scariest thing I have ever done in my life. And the hardest thing next to losing my parents. Wow. And but it, it was life-changing and life-saving and transformative. And now I'm in a marriage that is, um, so much more supportive. I, I remember in the dark days of being unhappy previously, I had a daily mantra that I said that was, I deserve a loving, present, and supportive partner. And I thought either that's going to be my husband at the time, my ex-husband, or it's going to be someone else, but I deserve that. And it became clear that I was not going to have that in, in my previous relationship. And so having that courage to move through that, and it was a girlfriend that said to me, like, well, why can't you get divorced? And I told her all the reasons why I couldn't, quote unquote. And then I heard myself and I thought, oh my gosh, what if I had the courage to change my life? And, and thank God I did. And so I've seen women have the courage to get into recovery, have, have the courage to make a huge career change. Um, have the courage to move somewhere that they've always wanted to live or, or to start a, a hobby that they've always wanted to do, but maybe thought that they couldn't. Um, so it's about freeing ourselves from self-limitation. Wow. Just be courageous. It's amazing. So basically you, you, it's a manifestation really. I believe that a hundred percent. Put it out there. Just put it into the universe. Right. Yeah. And I think, I think that's what the fear does. It stops us from putting what we really hope, desire, and want into the universe, which we should, which should be the opposite. We should be putting it in the universe. A hundred percent. So really my book is like that. It's a step-by-step program of how to do that, how to become self-aware, how to do that deeper survey of, of having a vision for what you want and accessing the support that you need and believing that you're deserving, which is, um, you know, in psychology, I have a chapter on positivity and it's about acting as if. So I wanted this book, for example, for 10 years and I was rejected by a ton of publishers. So I started using an Adlerian technique called acting as if, where you imagine you've already achieved your goals. So I 
walked around my house saying, I'm, I'm a published author and national speaker like Brené Brown. And my best friend accused me of psychotic optimism. Uh, (laughs) She's a therapist as well. (laughs) But I believe that when we start to believe something is impossible, is possible, that makes it possible. And now I have the publisher that Brené Brown had. So I do believe you, you can manifest that. And it starts with your relationship with yourself. But what is the difference between the psychotic and the manifestation? <laughs> I just, I just, I'm just curious. Um, I think it's being real, knowing that I, of course, am not like Brene Brown yet. <laughs> you know? and, but, you know, having that vision, having those heroes and believing that that is possible because we set our own ceilings. And I see that in my practice. I've, I am so grateful for the wisdom that I've learned from my clients because I hear when people say, I could never do that, hear the defenses, but I, you know, I'm not going to achieve that. I couldn't do that. This is why, but, but, but excuses. And uh, I have in my book, a story of where I was recommended by a friend to see his Buddhist monk for a consultation about why my book wasn't being published. And I thought, you know what, I can get all the help. I'll take all the help I can get. So I scheduled a consultation with him. He was a brilliant, brilliant man. And after I shared with him all the reasons why my book wasn't being published, he said, I have your answer. And he wrote something on a piece of paper and he handed it to me and it said, WTF. And I was like, are you kidding me? Are you being serious right now? And he said, absolutely. Weaken the fiction. WTF, weaken the fiction. Oh my God. <laughs> Obviously not this- meant something else. Right, right. Yes. He said all this, all this BS, essentially, all these excuses, all this self-limitation that I had to change that narrative. And in Psychology, narrative therapy says that we're not only the protagonist of our own life story, we're also the author. So we have to pick up our pens and write a different, write this next chapter and make it good. Yeah, I think, I think though, that might be the fear of a lot of women in midlife. It's like, well, you know, I've gone this far, uh, you know, I'm, I'm nearing, you know, some people I think don't think of this as like, a sec, like another chapter. They think like, it's like the end of their life. They think of midlife is now the end of their life. And I think that they might put up with a lot that they are fearful because they just think, well, how is it going to be different? Look at me now. I'm older. I can't do this. I can't do that. And it's a lot of can't instead of trusting in yourself to be able to come out. This is just what I'm hearing like from other people. And some of it's an internal and within myself too. A hundred percent. And, and so, I mean, think about it. What, what if we live to be centurions? Right. 50 is midlife. No, it really is midlife. Correct. Correct. And so do you want to live the rest of your life like this? You know, and don't you want more for yourself? And that's self-love is when you, you want the best for yourself. Like you would someone you love very much. You know, would you want, if you have a daughter or a child, would you want them at all? No, you wouldn't want them to settle. You would want them to, to have joy and passion and love and connection and meaning and purpose. 
And so we have to want that for ourselves and we have to break through those barriers of fear and change can be scary, but change is also opportunity. And so getting support, and I love the work that you're doing because you're normalizing so many of these challenges that we experience. I'm turning 50 in January and I'm, you know, having feelings about that, but I also feel like, wow, I'm moving into this new phase of my life. And there's some real opportunities with that. And I want to be conscious about it and gift myself with, with experiences and opportunities that will feed me on a deeper level. Mm-hmm. I agree hundred percent. So how does the mental fitness program in your new book help women over 40 reassess their life and consciously create their best path moving forward? I really hope that my book is helpful to so many people. It, it, it is my life's work. And I identified 12 mindsets that lead to holistic success after working with thousands of clients over 25 years. And the book is a step-by-step program with exercises. So you, you'll hear stories of my own experience, amazing inspirational stories from my clients, and then practical exercises so that you can learn these techniques from psychology about how to improve your mental health, your relationship, your career, your relationship with money. So you can welcome an abundant life of, of joy and, and vitality and prosperity. And that's what my hope is for people. And I, I think this is my purpose to share this. Well, this is great. I, this, yeah, I, I agree with you hundred percent. It's, we kind of have the same purpose. Mine's just a little more on the anti-aging or pro-aging, I should say, side of it. But I think that you're right. Um, I think, gosh, we do. We just have to reassess and just believe in ourselves. I think that's basically, to me, what it boils down to is just having yeah. trust in yourself. And accessing support, like you Correct. talked about community. And that's a huge piece of it. Absolutely. I think, I think knowing that you're not alone and that there are not only people out there that can help you, but people out there that can support you because they've been through these experiences. I think that is so, it helps so much. Um, because I keep saying, yeah, I keep saying middle age is tough stuff. Aging is not for wusses. It is not, you know, no, One of my beloved clients is in her late sixties and yeah, she's like, oh my gosh, my skin. She's like, I practically am watching it turn crepey and, and she's a beautiful, amazing woman. She does yoga every day and she, she actually is moving to Vietnam. She has sold all of her possessions (laughs) and is, you know, she's, she's pretty amazing, but like, really embody embodies badassery. In terms oh, I of love that. That yes. is badass. That really is. Yes. Yeah. I think I think for me it's it's interesting. I I'm sort of in this weird weird place because like unlike many women, most of my so I'm an, I'm an older mom. So I still got little kids. So it's the weirdest thing to be you know, I I'm like always the older one in the group of the other parents and you know, they'll be like, oh my God, I'm turning 40. I'm so old. I'm like, oh, shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like seriously. So I'm sort of battling this. And so I'm watching my friends that like I went to college with, high school with, and 
they're empty nesters. And I'm like, oh, I, I still got time on this one, but I'm tired. <laughs> you know? yeah. It's this weird, this weird space to be in. And I don't have a lot of, a lot of support in that. So I'm sort of, because there just aren't that many other people in my, in my shoes. So I'm either hanging out with much younger women, the other moms, which is, which is fine. Or, you know, I'm talking with my friends that can't relate to me anymore. And they're like, oh, just wait, because, you know, but, but the flip side is, is that I'm actually, I think I'm more in the moment than a lot of other parents, because I have so many of my friends telling me like, this goes by so quickly, like, you know, so I'm, I try to be in the moment as much as I can. So that's been good, but I'm, I'm, I'm sort of an anomaly. <laughs> yeah. And I have one of my close girlfriends had her first baby at 43. Yeah. So I can identify with what you're saying. And um, it, it is different. And so it's important for you to have support of other people in your situation if you can find that. And, and I, I love I have a few. But yeah. I love that you're looking at the blessings and the strengths, though, of being older yeah. and the wisdom that comes with that and the appreciation and gratitude. Like that's a growth mindset. That's a, a positive mindset. And that that fosters resilience. Well, I, I just remember my mom saying like, oh, my gosh, you're such a patient. You're such a good mom. And and, you know, she's like, I was always so but she was young. She was like, I was so young that. Yes, she just couldn't be in the moment, you know, and I'm just kind of learning to be in the moment in, in the parenting aspect and other areas of my life. <laughs> I am not yes. doing that, but yeah. It's, well, my mom had me when she was almost 40, but she had my siblings in her twenties and we have very different experiences of our, our, our parents as we grew up. And so I had almost a completely different set of parents and a, a completely different experience. So there are different pros and cons. My husband had his kids sort of surprisingly in his early twenties. And so, you know, there are blessings with that. Like he's 47 and an empty nester, except he married me and I have 16 and 19 year old daughters. Right. right. Yeah. That's, that is what happens sometimes. <laughs> right. You think you're done, but you're not done. Right. Yeah, exactly. But you know, it's all, it's all, it's all a blessing because you're, you know, you're living the life that you were meant to live. And that's amazing. You know, that you're, you're so lucky that, you know, you, you realize that, but you, you got through the excuses that you were telling yourself. And I think that that's kind of what this boils down to, to me is that, and I see this with, and it's, it's interesting because I can hear people make excuses now so much better than I used to, but I'm also understanding of it because I understand it's a process. So I don't judge people on that because we all get to where we need to be at our own pace. Beautiful. Um, but I, it, it's interesting to me that, and I, I'm sure I do it too. I'm sure that people listen to me and hear me make excuses, but I find myself hearing it a little bit more. I can catch myself. I'm like, Ooh, that's making an excuse. That you have more awareness because you've cultivated that and more insight. And so that helps you lead a more conscious life. And, and that's why I think we all can benefit from therapy or spiritual programs that cause us to do some self-reflection so that we I agree. I agree. have that awareness. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, unfortunately, I, I was meditating a lot before COVID. I just don't do well with it online. I need to be doing person mindfulness meditation. Um, cause I, you know, and I need to get back to that. Um, because I really, I really saw a big difference because I was also using it for pain management, 
believe it or not, because I didn't want to, I was going through some physical stuff that was very painful. And, you know, I didn't want to take drugs and I didn't want to, you know, rely on other things. And I found meditation really helped. But then I got so much more out of it, you know, and now that I've let it go, I find myself more stressed out. I, I can, I can see how I'm just turning back into my old ways. And, you know, but I think there's whatever it is for, for women, you know, yoga, some, you know, whatever it takes to get you just to kind of get out of your, your head, so to speak, or maybe into your head, but into tap into that other side of you. Yes. And progress is not linear. We all have those setbacks or we kind of fall off the wagon of our practices, but yoga is meditation with movement and meditation. If, if people ask me, what's one thing that you can do to change your life? I say meditation. And so I like apps like Calm and Headspace and I do Peloton meditation. I like their guided meditation. Love my Peloton. um, Love it. Right. 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 Great. Well, thank you so much. This has been amazing. Um, My pleasure. I just want um, your book is out. It's the Financial Mindset Fix, a mental fitness program for an abundant life. But there's obviously more than just financial in there. It's really a mental fitness program. It's a a holistic success and wellness program. And it's available in hardcover, in audiobook. It's on Kindle. It's available on Amazon and stores at Barnes and Noble. And I'm excited it's going to be published in China, Korea, and Spain. Woo, look at you for not having a publisher for this. Great. Right. That's great. And I'll leave a link in the show notes uh, to your book. And also you. your website and all your social and everything. So I really thank you. This has been amazing. Um, and uh, we're gonna we're gonna end right here. But I just want to say thank you so much. And uh, I just also want to say that if you've enjoyed this episode, please be sure to leave us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps us out a lot. I have a new pro aging podcast weekly, so please contact Lauren at fountainof30.com for more sponsorship opportunities. And thanks everybody. Uh, Stay well and um, love yourself. And uh, name that mean girl, name her. I'm gonna be working on mine. Take care everyone, bye.